Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, and happy holidays to everyone and Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. We are here on Christmas Day. For me, uh, as I'm recording this, it's already 6.30 p.m. on Christmas Day. Christmas is virtually over uh, for you guys over there in Wisconsin and wherever you are in the U.S. as I'm recording this. It's only just ticked over into Christmas Day in 2020, and... I wasn't 100% sure that I was going to record a podcast today and technically it is an off day for the network and we didn't have to, but it's been a pretty fun day for me. Obviously, uh, I've been fortunate enough to spend some time with some family this afternoon, but uh, in the morning, uh, I actually woke up early because I had organized a chat with Bucks legend, both on the court and behind the microphone, John McLaughlin. Now, Johnny Mac. Uh, for a lot of people that are listening to this podcast on a daily basis, uh, would have so many Bucks memories over the last 20, 30, and perhaps beyond uh, years of Johnny Mac being an integral part of all the moments in history. And when I think about Johnny Mac, for me, and I said the same thing to Jim Paschke when I first met him and also when he was on this podcast, when I think about game winners, when I think about uh, Bucks playing awful. What I what I think about when I think about Jim Paschke and also John McLaughlin is the passion that they uh, announced the game with, and you really feel that you are getting a, a pair of guys that that care about the team. And I always felt that with those two. Uh, right now, obviously, we are super fortunate to have Marcus Johnson, who is sensational. Steve Novak, or Stevenson, everyone that's involved with the broadcast. And I think that's why in Milwaukee we've been super fortunate. But John McLaughlin, obviously was an absolute superstar for so many years and incredibly missed for sure on the broadcast now. And it was actually the first time I got a chance to speak to John. So it was a thrill for me. And the reason why I was speaking to John McLaughlin was because, uh, and, and I, I don't know if this is some kind of announcement, I guess it kind of is, but I'm going to be doing some stuff for Milwaukee Magazine this year through the Bucks season and writing some articles and uh, I was writing an article about Christmas and the fact that Christmas basketball is back in Milwaukee. John McLaughlin played in the game the last time and the only time that the Milwaukee Bucks have hosted a game on Christmas Day that was in Milwaukee Arena back in 1968. So that was the reason for talking to John for the story. And I, I said to him at the start of the phone call, if you have 10 minutes, 15 minutes, that would be fantastic. If you don't have that much time, I'm also totally fine with that. We ended up speaking for nearly 50 minutes about everything from Giannis to the NBA to Australia to traveling around the world. to It was just a, a fantastic conversation and it was everything that I believed it was going to be because every word that I've heard and every person I've met that knows anything about John says the exact same thing, that he is this engaging person that is just a, a pleasure to speak to. And, and I found that today. So as a part of the interview, 
um, like I said, we spoke about basketball. And honestly, I just thought that the conversation was too good not to share with uh, the listeners that I know also uh, love John McLaughlin and everything he's done for the Milwaukee Bucks. So uh, the one thing I will say, this was a phone call that was recorded. Uh, I didn't intend that it was going to be a podcast. So uh, I did, wasn't really talking with John like I was interviewing him in, in that regard. We were just sh- sort of shooting the shit back and forth. So um, perhaps the audio quality isn't going to be all that great, but uh, some of the stuff w- was great. And uh, I just wanted to share uh, a portion of the conversation with you guys. So I thought that it was worth uh, having a podcast for that. Of course, uh, later on today, we know the Bucks playing the Golden State Warriors. One thirty Central Time tip. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. And it is, despite the fact there is no fans, going to be a historic day for Milwaukee to host this game. So um, hopefully uh, you guys are waking up, uh, having some, some nice food in the morning, spending time with uh, people if you're able to do so, given the situation in 2020. And most importantly, maybe this is something you can listen to as you uh, perhaps work through some pregame anxiety before the Bucks try and level up the season at one and one. So as I said, uh, bear with the audio quality. It's not perfect. I understand that. But this wasn't the plan. It was for something else. And again, the conversation was so great. I just wanted to share it with you guys. And before I jump to it, again, I say this all the time. But for me, uh, this is the second Christmas I've been with the podcast. I've been doing it for just over a year. Uh, I want to thank the listeners for everything they've done for me over the last year, supporting me, supporting the show, uh, helping with content, uh, always uh, being a positive influence with this show. And I hope as we near episode 1000, we can roll through for another season and it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, jump to the conversation with John McLaughlin. So the first question I wanted to ask you, John, and we were kind of just talking about this before I started recording. When you speak to uh, Bucks fans who have uh, perhaps uh, understands your your playing career, but uh, know you more for your broadcasting career, I'm just I'm curious how that makes you feel when you have someone like me, for instance, who will speak to you and say. Uh, Every single, basically, basically every single Bucks memory I have, I associate with your voice. Whether it's uh, laughing after a game winner and happiness, or it's frustration when the Bucks were playing awful. I'm just wondering, <laughs> for someone who was a player first, how does the that um, sort of cross connection between generations uh, sit with you? Well, that's a good question. And quite frankly, I've never been asked that question quite that way um, over the years. Um, I, I consider it. Uh, being very fortunate and a blessing. Um, when I retired after 11 years, and I was 32 at the time, um, uh, it, it, it was so fortunate that after my entire life being a basketball player, growing up in the state of Indiana, uh, and being exposed to basketball at a very young age there, um, and then all the way through high school, college, and the NBA, um, you know, I was confronted with having to retire, and for many reasons, and um, being able to go right into the broadcast arena, uh, staying connected to the game, um, being still involved with my, my team and my teammates at that time, actually, and being able to still go on the road with them to some degree, uh, it was a real blessing for me. It made my transition uh, easier, certainly, and transition to give up 
a sport that had been my entire life. Um, what, so it made it easier. And then having, uh, uh, what, 34 years, uh, or I'm sorry, 43 years broadcasting all Bucks games as well as I had a chance to do some CBS and some Turner and some cable network over the years, but I didn't want to do more of those. I wanted to stay only on Bucks games because I had businesses that we started and and uh, I had businesses that I was involved in running. And I, I don't know that you would know this, but my partner in our main business was Sal Bando, the former uh, great player from the Oakland A's. Um, we were business partners for 25 years. Uh, and then I did the Bucks games also. So uh, with younger people today, and where I go around today, they do know me more as the announcer. And because I don't sound like a Wisconsinite, <laughs> I sound more like a Hoosier, uh, people recognize my voice as much as my face. And um, you have to get people in that kind of uh, 60, 70, and 80-year-old bracket to remember me as a player, uh, some 50s. But it's something that um, I embrace and I value. And uh, it's nice that I've been able to have multiple careers. So uh, before I want to talk about the Christmas stuff, before I get to that, one question I have, and I'm asking this because I thought about this when I was watching Bucks Celtics last night. And when Giannis was at the free throw line, it reminded me of a game earlier this year in the bubble when Dante DiVincenzo was at the free throw line. And he had to make one free throw, I believe, to send the game to overtime. He missed the first one, made the second one. And I was wondering how Giannis felt, whether he was more nervous on the free throw line shooting them or when he was watching and he sort of shrugged it off and said I was fine it doesn't matter it was kind of an obvious answer that he would say that but I was wondering for you did you get more nervous as a player when you're watching these guys now in big playoff games because you've uh, you've been through both uh, as, as a player and a broadcaster well um, I, I didn't really get nervous as a broadcaster because I, I couldn't control it uh, but I, I I felt very engaged, uh, yeah. especially uh, through the latter 70s and all through the 80s when we had all those, <clears throat> excuse me, really good teams and uh, had a chance with those teams to go to the, to the finals, but always ran into either Philadelphia with Dr. J and that group, Dr. Maurice Cheeks, uh, and Boston. <laughs> so... Um, I felt very engaged because I was with the players all the time. And uh, being an ex-player, both with our teammates or our, our team and with um, players around the league, I, I, I did have respect. Uh, Magic Johnson would come up to me, uh, uh, Kareem, of course, Larry Bird. So uh, there was a respect level that, that was nice. Um, and I could – get things accomplished as an announcer with interviews and things uh, that you could not as easily if you weren't. Uh, but, and, and as a player, uh, once the game was underway, I wasn't nervous. Um, prior to the game, I always was. Uh, starting kind of mid-afternoon after my 
game day nap, um, that's when it would start. You became aware <laughs> of your armpits. Um, <laughs> and, 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 but once the game started, I, I, I was never nervous. And one of the great things about basketball is you don't have a lot of time to think. Um, you, you have to just get it done. Uh, this place for me, I'm going to get this shot up to win the game. Uh, I've got to make these free throws. Now, the free throws like Giannis's last night, he has time to think. And quite honestly, I did not think he would make both. Uh, uh, he's worked really hard on everything in his game, and you know that. You know that it's history. It's historic how hard he works. I think his attitude after the game was after the game on missing the shot was appropriate. You have to shake it off and move on. Uh, and that's one of the great things about the NBA. There's a game almost right away, so you can move on uh, from negative, and you can't stay on a high with the positive very long. Uh, he did have time to think about it. I did not think he would make both. He's not a good free-throw shooter. He's trying to get better. He has. But that second one turned into a steely. You could tell that he froze. His arm, when you do that, you hit the front of the rim, and or not at all, and that's what he did. And I feel terrible for him because there's no one who wants to win more than him. But um, uh, I think in that moment, with the timeout and stuff, he had time to think about it. And even 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 as a really good or a great free throw shooter, you know, you got a little bit of jitters that get in there at that point because. There's been a timeout. You have a few minutes, and you know the pressure on you. But I, I that's why I found uh, the repetition of practice. And then, if you were a natural shooter, you you had that as, asset as well. Uh, but there is pressure, but you try not to think about it. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I don't think anyone that's that's watched the Bucks for a long period of time and certainly through Giannis' career was confident when he was there. I was actually kind of surprised he knocked down the first one because he has had a bit of a history of, of leaving them short, as you mentioned. But the next game they have is on Christmas Day, and it's quite remarkable. First of all, it's a bit of a shame that no fans are going to be there, but it's incredible that this is the first time Milwaukee will host a Christmas Day game since 1968. You played in that game, which is exactly why I've got you here today. And firstly, but we'll go into the game, but I just wanted to ask, firstly, that was the first season in the NBA for the Bucks. What, what was the, the atmosphere and the, the feeling in the city around the Bucks in, in that Christmas Day game? And, and did Christmas Day have the same feeling that it does today in terms of playing on that day? Well, um, let me back up for you for a minute to give you a little bit of history. Now, let me think. Um, I've been in the NBA at one level or another for 55 years, okay, which has been a blessing. Right out of college, you know, even up until now, I'm still engaged with some things for the Bucks even though I'm not announcing anymore. Um, I, I've only been in a Christmas Day game, I, I think, three times. Two as a player, and, well, three as a player, counting the, the Milwaukee one. We, when I played for the Cincinnati Royals, um, we, uh, we played on Christmas Day. And, but we played at home, which was nice. And then... Um, 
I thought that Bucks game you're referring to wasn't that in Detroit. Uh, there was one in 1968, which was at Milwaukee Arena, which I think is the only time Milwaukee has hosted a Christmas Day game outside of today. Well, I, I know that we played uh, in my era, like in 69, but in the, we played in Detroit on Christmas Day night. So, and it was, I don't know that it was a national game. I don't think it was because the team actually took us out that morning, which was very unusual in that era because we did not have charters. And I recall being in Detroit downtown. Uh, we played at Cobo Arena, and I recall that the hardest part of that was finding a place to eat. <laughs> in those days, they didn't take care of everything for you like they do today. Um, so I'd have, I, I ate in a bus station for my pregame meal uh, in, in Detroit. The one in Milwaukee... Um, and in that era, it was it was a big deal, but not like it's been made to be today because of the national media, the national attention. Uh, even though we had it then, there's just much more of everything today, coverage, hype, social media, everything. Uh, but Christmas Day then was still special, and... Um, you know, depending on your age as a player, if you had family or whatever, uh, then, and my wife, my wife and I was just us, and our son was born our first year in Milwaukee. So that impacted you a little less in terms of personal and getting ready for that game. But for us, anything that was uh, – on national TV, and I don't know that that game was. I don't recall that. Uh, you'd probably be able to find that. If it's on national TV in that era, it was a big deal. And when you were interviewed after the game in that era, it was a big deal because it didn't happen often. Today, there's so many interviews and so much attention around it. It's not a big deal, these guys. They probably, some of them get tired of it. Whereas, when we got to do it, it was special. So with that in mind, as you've then moved into broadcasting, it, it, I mean, for so long, I, I know the game against the Knicks a couple of years ago was was such a big occasion to, you know, and I, I was fortunate enough to be there at Madison Square Garden. It was the first time the Bucks had played in, on Christmas since the 70s. Uh, did you, as you were broadcasting, and the Bucks were probably really never really considered for those games. As you mentioned, they were big national TV games. Certainly through the early 2000s, the Bucks weren't winning a lot. How have you seen the franchise itself transform into this team that now is on national TV all the time? Well, you know, it's interesting. And, of course, we had different owners. But once Kareem came, we suddenly started getting the national limelight, um, uh, spotlight, um, more... But, but again, even with Kareem, it wasn't to the extent it is today because of everything I just described in terms of exposure and media and coverage. I mean, you're in Australia calling me to talk about this. <laughs> that, did, that didn't happen then. You know, it's, it's a, it was a different world. Uh, and uh, <laughs> another piece of that world that's different was the money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. Uh, uh, I... I was offered uh, uh, $10,000 when I came out of college in 65 
I was offered $10,000 to coach and teach in a high school. The Cincinnati Royals paid me $10,000 to play pro basketball for them. The same amount of money. And people will say all the time, well, you made a lot of money for them. No, <laughs> I could have been a teacher and made as much money as a pro player. So that's changed too, as you, as you know. But that's not what this is about. But it's changed everything. But, you know, we got a little taste with Kareem of what today is. But it was different owners. It was different players. But but the city and the franchise got a little taste of it, of, of the limelight. So now you fast forward to today with, with Giannis, who has absolutely exploded in front of us from a young green kid that didn't know much to a great player. It's an amazing thing to have watched. Uh, during my telecast, I would liken it to watching a chia pet. And you pour water <laughs> on it and it grows hair in front of you. Well, that's how he improved literally every night in front of us. And so now for this group of owners and, and city to have this kind of attention, uh, I think we all revel in it. Uh, you know, our owners are still fairly new and new to the NBA and, and, and they're, they're world-experienced people. So I can't really speak to how they feel about this and how lucky everybody got with having Giannis and the, and, and the people we have around, you know, um, and that includes coaches, you know, everybody. Um, so I think it's turned into a tremendous high for the fans here, for the city, uh, Giannis being the star he is, but being the person that he is. Here in the Midwest, we value very much uh, the down-to-earth guy that cares about his community and contributes to his community, and, and that's what we have in this guy. So it's a perfect fit. Yeah, you spoke about the personality, and I, I wanted to ask about Giannis uh, on the court because we know, you know, I mean, I think everyone was a little bit anxious about whether he would sign the extension, but I don't think anyone was overly surprised when it happened. But you're right. I mean, the reality is with Giannis, that's how the national exposure has come when you have an MVP caliber player like him. But what what has surprised you the most? And and I always try and ask this to people that have watched him right from day one as closely as you have and up close where your, your position has been um, with the franchise. But is there, a, is there a part of his game that, that surprises you the most? Because I think he, he's, his rise and his development has been so rapid that we all saw the, the talent that he had early. But is there one thing that you're just like, man, I, out of all the things that I thought might happen, I didn't see that? Well, uh, when he, first of all, you know, the, the guy that found him and, and his staff is John Hammond, and John Hammond uh, and John Horst was part of that staff as well and is, is the same quality human being uh, John Horst is that John Hammond is as well. And John Hammond and I were very close, so uh, I, I kind of knew about Giannis through John, but, but you know, there, there was a great mystery there. No one really knew. He was 18 uh, and thin. You know, in the NBA, you, you roll the bones a little bit. When you drafted Kareem, you weren't rolling the bones at all. I mean, you knew. But even with some great college players, and I can name them over the years, one after another, after another, after another, 
that were outstanding college players and pretty average or less in the NBA. Um, it, it's kind of a remarkable thing. You know, when you come up here, um, <laughs> all of your weaknesses are magnified and your strengths aren't quite as strong because there are such great players here. Uh, all through high school and college, I never really felt I had a weakness. I get to the NBA and find out all I have weaknesses, <laughs> except for one thing, I could shoot. But that's how it is. And so, you know, your expectation of Giannis wasn't high because more fail or average than become what he is. And so I didn't put, personally, I didn't put any kind of a uh, uh, of a number on him. Like, well, you know, uh, I could see right away he wasn't a very good shooter. And his form had to be had to be corrected and worked on and and to be a great shooter you got to be born with touch you can have fundamentals but god gives you touch to be great stefan curry uh brian winters uh flynn robinson uh uh thompson all the great shooters uh have touch as well as fundamentals um so Giannis has worked really hard at fundamentals. And once you get those down, then you work on touch. So I'm impressed that he's improved his shooting as much as he has. Um, that's been impressive to me. But I don't think any of us saw how this man with this length <laughs> would, we knew he would develop his body. We knew the NBA would do that. And at that age, your body develops if you work at it, if you get in the weight room. But I don't think anyone knew how he could attack the basket, both in full court or in half court. Uh, I've been asked to compare it. Well, how do he and Kareem compare? <laughs> they don't. Don't even go there. But, okay, who, who played like him? Well, no one that I know. So I can name... Dr. J went to the basket with beauty and authority uh, and could hang up there for a day and a half. Uh, but he could not, he didn't do it consistently like Giannis from inline to inline. Uh, um, Connie Hawkins had the arm span and the hands, but he didn't have 6'10, 6'11, and he didn't have the speed. So you can go down the line of guys that that were similar, that were great. I'm talking about the great ones. But no one with this speed, power, and authority that he does. So anyway, I've given you a lot of other material on that. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, that's perfect. And I guess I've only got a couple more here before we wrap this up. But what what then about this this whole team do you see that they need they need to change to have playoff success? And when I say playoff success, I mean I'm talking NBA Finals and potentially a championship. Drew Holiday, sure. Drew Holiday, we saw last night for the first time, and even though the Bucks lost the game, I thought he was fantastic. I mean, we know he's a great defender. Um, we know we saw last night what he can do in the half court offense. What do you, what do you like about Drew, or what do you think that addition means for this team? Well, okay, well, I, I, it, in all honesty, and, and I'm not going to give you a cop out answer. It's too soon to know that. 
I mean, I don't think Coach Bud knows. Yeah. Um, I I do. I don't know what happened in the playoffs. I I don't know if they got refocused. I I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't think any of us have answers to that. They just and and what's unfortunate is we had home court advantage throughout last year, which is big in the playoffs, and we don't get to get to utilize it. It's too bad. You know, it's life uh, timing. But uh, I do believe. Uh, you look at the roster last year, this year, John Horst has absolutely, on paper, improved this team. Absolutely. Uh, they've got a few more better shooters. They're deeper in the shooting compartment, which we needed. Because in my book last year, the only real shooter we had was Chris. Uh, how many guys take a shot and you always think, well, it's in. And then when it misses, you're surprised. You feel that way with, with great shooters over the years. Okay? Um, I can't say I felt that way about any other, anybody other than Chris last year. I think there are more of those this year. Uh, I think Drew Holiday is absolutely critical and, and taking enough away from our previous point guard because I, I liked a lot about his game. Drew Holiday's a better all-around player. That's a tremendous improvement. So I think it depends on, will this team, I think they'll be together. Uh, I think they'll be close as the team was last year because it's the nature of the guys like Giannis who are the leaders. They're going to be close. Will they be as good defensively? And will the shooters that we picked up be consistently good shooters? That's my, those are my two question marks. All right, guys, we are going to leave it there. Uh, just, a, just a quick little sneak peek of the chat I had with John. It was fantastic. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And I hope, uh, like I said at the start, the audio quality was good enough that you were able to understand uh, what we were both talking about. But again, a thrill for me. Uh, I love doing this. I love working in this area. I love working in this job. But you still have cool moments uh, when you get to speak to people that helped uh, foster, I guess, your love for the game. And John was certainly one of those uh, people for me, having watched the Bucks from, from afar for as long as I have. So, uh, like I said at the top, Bucks Warriors, Christmas Day, 1.30 Central Time. I'll be back post-game. Frank Madden is going to join me for a post-game podcast. So we hope the Bucks are able to level it up at one and one, looking to avenge that brutal loss against the Boston Celtics uh, on the opening night of the 2021 season for the Bucks. So we will be back after the game. For everyone, enjoy your Christmas. Stay safe over there. And we'll speak to you very, very soon.